Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hi. And today we are discussing Season 2, Episode 9, Resistance is Futile, uh, the uh, beginning of the end of the Bay Harbor Butcher story, the uh, Dokes and Dexter face-off, and uh, some... More uh, Deb and Lundy stuff going on here. Uh, what did you guys think of this episode overall? I loved, loved, loved this episode. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I kind of forgot stuff was happening uh, from the first time that I watched it, and I was just like, oh, this episode is amazing. So I was into it. I thought it was a good one. I wouldn't say I thought it was a great one, but I didn't think it was bad uh i'd say middle ground for me maybe a little above middle ground maybe a you know c plus i really enjoyed this episode there's a lot going on but it it really sets the stage for a very interesting end to the season yeah i think i think this one's pretty fantastic um there's just there is so much going on um everything feels like it's uh momentous or meaningful uh that you know there's nothing feels like a b plot i guess in this particular episode and that's why um i didn't break it up at all i just listed out everything that happened chronologically because there didn't seem to be much point in trying to you know talk about the lila plot versus the laguerta plot or anything like that it's it's all very interconnected in this episode um and I think part of that is a credit to uh, this being written by Dexter's head writer, Melissa Rosenberg. Um, she tends to write episodes I like quite a bit. She was the, uh, the writer on uh, Father Knows Best as well. So this might be, might be a standout for me this season. But uh, yeah, so starting off the episode, um, Dexter has this vision of himself entering Miami Metro he looks like he's cuffed at first, but then he's dragging something behind him, and it turns out that he's dragging Jimenez's body, and Lundy yells at him to clean it up. He wakes up on a lawn chair outside of Rita's, where he's apparently fallen asleep after Lila's uh, break-in in the last episode. And Rita finds Dexter, but isn't angry that he's there. The kids come out and invite Dexter in, but he begs off and gives them a hug instead. He gives Rita a heartfelt apology. And Rita accepts, but she says she can't forget that he slept with another woman. He wants to go and take care of the body of his mother's killer, but he notices that there are some people in an unmarked car following him, so instead he goes home to change and go to work, citing Harry's code of caution first, and this is an indicator that he's back following the code of Harry since Lila's code turned out to be garbage for him. You know, the, the dream to start off this episode... The way the people at Miami Metro react, it, I couldn't tell it was a dream at first. I was like, this this seems like the top-notch police work that they would do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that because I, I thought kind of the same thing, just like the way that it was, uh, the tonally, it was like, oh, yeah. I mean, you're not really quite sure, <laughs> but it's super, it's super funny when they do the reveal and you're like, ah, okay, I get it. <laughs> 
It's something I don't think they do enough in Dexter is, I mean, not that I need to do dream sequences more, but just um, kind of go into something sort of morbid and ridiculous like that. Uh, they did it in season one with, they had like Deb all made out and she was the killer. Like she was the doing a Dexter killing uh, in one of the episodes of season one. So I feel like they do it once in a while, but it doesn't it doesn't come up very often that they kind of go into fantasy world like that. Yeah, and they do the dream sequences like that pretty well, you know. They need yeah. to do that more, I agree. So, uh, LaGuardia tries to call Dokes and leaves him an angry message in front of a group of people at a coffee stand. Uh, he's disappeared. Deb and Lundy are in bed together discussing their new, now sexual relationship. Lundy tells Deb that they need to come clean to management about their relationship since they're working together. And Lundy gets a call with some kind of break in the case and rushes into the shower, leaving Deb hanging on the full disclosure conversation. And just as a side note, in case this wasn't apparent in your version of the episode, on the Blu-ray, we see all of Lundy's junk. So, yay for that. I didn't notice if we saw that on the Netflix version, and you know what? I'm not going to rewatch it to find out because I don't <laughs> think I want to see it. So I'll just take your uh, your word for that. Yeah, it's there on the Netflix version. If you are if you're uh, able to catch it, it's definitely there. It, it's an eagle eye <laughs> thing, but if you yeah. rewind it and watch it like ten times, like <laughs> like Zach did. Well, all like all like color graded and corrected in Blu-ray. It's like right there in the middle of the screen, so... He actually just turns towards you and it's like... <laughs> it's like a whole <laughs> presentation, Slow-mo. yeah. Yeah, it's like a Clorox commercial. There's little stars coming out of it. <laughs> yeah, in uh, in the Netflix version, it's kind of blurry, so it sort of looks like uh, Japanese porn, I guess. It's like mm-hmm. how they they blur out the, the genitals or whatever. That's what it reminds yes. me of. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm sure that's what they were going for. <laughs> that scene just made me so uncomfortable them in bed together that I kind of watched through, clo- you know, my eyes kind of closed so I can see how I missed that part because it just, it gave me the icks. Well, I mean, last last week's episode we were talking about how you know, they it was just uncomfortable watching them flirt. And then this episode is like, boom, they're in bed. And yeah. talking dirty and... Ugh. Given details that I didn't want to know. In your window just, is so much worse than just saying what you did. Well, like, <laughs> so, he talks about so how she's worse. she's underweight, he needs to fatten her up, and then yeah. I just remember back to her comment when Angel said if I was ten years younger and she said I'd be in high school. It's just like <laughs> this is so gross. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I started thinking about this from a production standpoint, about, like, being there, and uh, just, like, what that set uh, atmosphere was like, because, I, I don't know, for me, I don't, it didn't seem like she was really enjoying it too much, it was, like, too close for comfort, and then just being, like, you know, the camera operator, or, you know, the sound guy, or whoever, just, like, standing around being like, wow, this is... I don't know if they're going to be able to sell this relationship. <laughs> this is really a lot. Well, I mean, like, I not, see now I'm going to second guess myself. And I don't know if there was a cut between 
them sort of rolling around in the bed and him jumping up with the phone. But if there isn't a cut, then there's the possibility that he's not like wearing um, a sock, mm-hmm. which is like super weird to do in. That's making me so much more uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like such. <laughs> so you could kind, I could get oh. Jennifer Carpenter being really weirded out by that, but yeah, yeah. Hey, mad props for her for being able to do it, though. I mean, if we want to talk about some acting shops, there they are, right there. Yeah. Well, and it was obviously really warm on the set because, like I said, you can see it all. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not rewatching that. <laughs> Everything is ruined. Moving on. Um, Please, can we? <laughs> so we see his junk. Um, <laughs> Dexter, is there any more to the episode? We could just stop there. I don't know if we need to even talk about anything else. Well, at this point, what I do quit. you think would get best performance? <laughs> oh, loved one. Uh, Dexter arrives at work. Angel says that Lundy has narrowed down the suspect to someone at Miami Metro. The FBI has taken her for the case and pushed Miami Metro out. Deb shows up, and they ask her if she knows who the suspect is. She does not. The Gorda assigns everyone newly removed from the task force back to clearing Miami Metro cases, which have just been stacking up, I guess, while they are not working on them. Um, Masuka tells Dexter that they replaced him with a federal forensics team, and Dexter finds them in his office. Asked for help accessing and understanding his filing system. And there's a flashback to young Dexter with Harry getting ready for something. Harry's quizzing Dexter on the rules, specifically the number one rule is don't get caught, and the remaining rules are there to help support the main rule. Turns out that Harry and Dexter are attending a electrocution by electric chair. This returns to his office as one of the forensic techs asks Dexter for the chair back, saying, The chair? The chair? I actually quite enjoyed this because I just pictured Dexter just sitting there staring off into the middle distance while he had a flashback in his head while these people are just waiting for him to put in his password. Yeah, which I'm sure is how it went. Like, <laughs> he just stopped typing for a while and had that whole flashback in real time. <laughs> Deb finds Lundy and asks if he's worried about her reluctance to come clean. He's not. She presses for more details on what broke on the case, but he says she doesn't want to know. Doak shows up to meet a contact in Haiti. He wants to have an independent lab run some blood tests on the slides that he found in Dexter's apartment. Um, that whole scene I thought was going to go go more, like, I, th- I thought this was going to go more in Dokes's favor, but this is, like, really the last time that he has the upper hand um, is in this scene where he's in Haiti, and then he's he's pretty much screwed. I actually liked the uh, conversation between Dexter, or, I'm sorry, uh, Deborah and Lundy, because at this point in the episode, everything feels like Oh, they're you know he he's looking into Dexter really hard and things like that and this he's so vague in what he says he he gives Deb a realistic answer but it's vague enough to keep you on like on the edge of your seat as to who he's talking about yeah this is a good point because a lot of the tension of this episode comes from uh, the audience believing that the break in the case is that Lundy has figured out that it's Dexter somehow. 
Um, and Dexter yeah. ends up leaving that for a while too. Um, right yeah, into the next that, episode, I think. Right. If I think if you're if you're watching this for the first time, that is exactly how you're going to get it. Which is why I think I really love this episode so much because even kind of remembering what happened from watching it from before, but watching it again this time, I was like, this tension is so good because they they do such a great job of selling that to the audience it's like yeah it's got to be dexter like who who else could it be there's no other answer at this point and even he thinks it's himself which is crazy and really fun to watch dexter gets pushy with the the federal lab techs and they basically tell him they got it from here and let him out of the lab he's about to leave when he hears lila laughing she's surrounded by the other guys at the police station Lila is called Angel and arranged to be his decorator. She makes a veiled threat to Dexter about going to drinks with the guys and that he should join them because who knows what secrets will come spilling out of her. So Dexter ends up going along with them instead of going to deal with Jimenez, which is something he's been trying to deal with for two episodes now. Lila brings up the guy who nearly stabbed Dexter in front of Angel. Uh, Dexter confronts Lila in the bathroom. She makes a case that she's the only one who can see past the mask. And Lila ends up going home with Angel. The worst. Yeah, she's I the mean, worst. We haven't said that lately. She is. She's the worst. Go ahead, Zach. Have your piece. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just say, you know, she's just trying to make friends because it's like you know you can be you can be friends with your ex's friends sometimes, right? And I think this is just a case of Lila trying to just you know have some friends. And Dexter, you know, jealous or not, whatever. It's just, it's just a friendly, go- outgoing situation where she's just gonna get some beers. Angel's just looking out for her too. You know, he's being a good guy. He's just everybody's just very friendly. I think this is a totally fine situation. Don't you need to read into it? Mm-hmm. Those mental gymnastics you're having to do to make Lila look good are—it's impressive. Gold medal worthy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think you hurt your case every time you said the word friends. <laughs> no. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So she's she's kind of a threat, but like by the time she's going home with Angel, it's apparent that she's just messing with Dexter in front of Dexter. Like, what's she really going to say to Angel at this point? Angel doesn't. Angel only has one mission, and he's not like trying to figure out if she knows something about Dexter that he doesn't know. He's just trying to introduce finally get to some passion introduce her to Stabtista. yeah mm-hmm. yeah if anybody blame him right blame angel because you know i mean <laughs> if he wants to be an eskimo brother with dexter that's fine i guess but you know he's the one looking in the wrong igloo wow <laughs> uh i you know i can actually get behind that <laughs> angel is breaking so many bro codes right here Exactly. It's it's just it's not good. It's uh, all Lila's fault. Because she's horrible. The car uh, with the uh, the car that's been following Dexter is still following Dexter when he leaves the drinking place. Uh, he returns home and finds that the slides are missing. He immediately thinks Lundy found them, and that's what the big break in the case was. He's surprised by Deb, who's just finishing a shower. Deb tries to have a conversation about how much she likes Lundy while Dexter's trying to pump her for more information about what Lundy knows. The agents come to the door and pick up Dexter, 
and the flashback of the electrocution comes back, this time with Dexter's reflection superimposed over the head of the accused. Matthews and Lundy have a box of slides to ask Dexter to put on gloves and open the box. Lundy says, explain it to us, and Dexter says, trophies. And Lundy tells him that they have a suspect in the case, and that it's Dokes. I remember the first time I watched this, that scene, how, how they framed it when the when she opens the door and it's the FBI the camera kind of zooms in on Dexter's face as he's walking towards it and he just has this vacant stare and he's apologizing to Deborah. it was so brutal yeah and then when he gets to uh, the room with Lundy and Matthews they shoot Lundy and Matthews at an angle like from Dexter's point of view so they're just like standing way over the camera and it's like yeah he's caught this is it he's screwed it was interesting that that whole camera angle, it made them look so huge and him in that chair so small. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was really well done. You know, and funny thing is, kind of off topic, but as we're discussing this, this episode, I said at the beginning that I didn't really like this one, but meanwhile as we're reviewing it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was really intense. I think, I, because I watched the next one immediately after, which is also... To be honest, a really strong episode. It kind of clouded how really truly good this one was because I'm feeling all that tension again. That I guess I kind of forgot how truly intense this one was. So I changed my answer. It's okay. Actually better, better than I was as as we're reviewing it. I'm like, oh yeah, that was really good. So just I'd yeah. like to take a throwback. I changed my answer. Yeah. If any, I mean the the stakes are still up in the next episode, but the tension's not nearly as thick. Um, yeah, you know, there's a different source of tension in the other one that's more direct, and it's more, uh, it's more between a small group of characters rather than feeling like it's, it's Dexter on the line against the entire rest of the show. Well, and his hair is really terrible throughout this episode, so I think that also may be part of my decision making when I was saying it wasn't mm-hmm. that great because I was deeply distracted by his hair. I don't so know I'm how many. I don't many how how many days in in Showtime it's been that he's not like been home to sleep or take a shower, um, but it's not going to end soon. Like he's he's still like busy all night long and then working at Miami Metro all day long. So he can get a brush. I mean, it's yeah. distracting. It is a little distracting. So that might be clouding my view a little bit okay. because going back over it. Okay, I, I was wrong. This was way better than I remembered it being, and I just watched it like four hours ago so <laughs> so uh, we could change the name to deeply distracting Dexter then is that <laughs> what you're saying that's that's what we're gonna call this one yes <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to throw in a little thing that I, I truly love this sequence uh, and the tension in it I love the way he opens the the trophy case the way that he he does it the same way every single time and he slides his finger down it and they show yeah. us that and it is just amazing to see him with this his trophy case in front of the FBI and you know what you know and you think you know what they know and you don't and it's just brilliant brilliant i loved it well it, yeah i agree and that actually is something even when i was thinking i didn't like this episode that i did like um was you know he views those slides with such reverence and that's such a a part of his ritual and just watching the way he opened it like the way he's you know kind of focusing on how to do it and is it going to show that you know are they going to be able to read that this is something that is really 
ritualistic for him, you know, by the way he reacts to it. Well, he's convinced. I mean, like, when he was apologizing to Deb, he's mm-hmm. saying, like, I know what they're here for, but you don't know what they're here for. And right. he sits down with, with Matthews and Lundy, and he's he knows they got him. And as it turns out, um, as it'll turn, I mean, we'll get to this in a couple seconds, but as it turns out, like, if they had fingerprinted the box or the slides, they would have found Dexter's prints all over the thing. <laughs> but they're working with Miami Metro, so Lundy no, instantly became the whole thing more to dumb. Dust Dexter. Yeah, right. Oh, Lundy lost brain cells just by working with Miami Metro. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he, you know, he's been sleeping with Deb, and that's gotta, gotta take it out of you at that age. <laughs> True. Uh, so Dexter uses Dokes' words back against him and says, I've always suspected there was something off about him, like he's hiding in plain sight. Turns out the undercover cars were there to protect Dexter from Dokes. Matthews wants Dexter to, to work on the slides to help improve Miami Metro's profile with the public. In his words, the confidence in us is about to take a major ass-fucking. The always diplomatic Captain Matthews. Um, there were no racial slurs this time. So I think that's the only racial slur he ever says is that one time in that one episode. And I'm pretty I might be the only one in the whole of Dexter. Yeah, but that's really like the only time he's said anything. <laughs> he's had like three lines and one of them was a major racial slur. So unforgivable. We're just going to keep going back to it. <laughs> Uh, Deb wants to stay armed and by Dexter's side, but Dexter tells her to stay out of it for her own protection. Dokes calls LaGuerta back and tells her he's innocent. He also says that he meant uh, that she meant more to him than she knows and that he won't come out of hiding until he can prove his innocence. Um, why, why did Dokes leave the slides in his trunk? Because he works at for Miami Metro Airport. <laughs> like, he he said it. He what? said it um, to the Haitian guy. He said it was because of uh, customs or biological. They didn't want to take whatever. it to customs. Yeah, because he he flew to Haiti because um, Lundy mentions that. So they they know that he went to Haiti, but he was going to take the blood slides by a boat if he could get the guy to agree to test them so that he could sneak past customs. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why they were there. Um, but, you know, he didn't expect, and the audience certainly didn't expect, that Lundy would, uh, his trip to Haiti would have prompted Lundy to get the search warrants and find the slides in his car that quickly. You know, and we, I think we assume also when we're watching it that he has them with him in Haiti, but he's just telling the guy, you know, you can't have them until you can confirm that you can test them. So, but yeah, they were, yeah, and Doke's calling her back uh, and telling her he's innocent. Um, that seems like I get why they do that, and it it comes into play later that she took this call and she doesn't tell anybody about it. But uh, it seems like a weird thing for him to do to call her and just tell her what she already expects, which is that he's innocent. Well, yeah, and, like, there's no point to that scene at all. There's no purpose to him calling her. Um, if I mean, he's it, working this hard to prove his innocence, he doesn't need to call her and tell her, hey, I 
were you know he he would just be doing it. Yeah, it it sets up plot for her later. It gives her something to do, um, but you know, realistically, it's kind of a strange move. So uh, Dexter carefully catalogs the blood slides after removing all fingerprints from the outside of the box. The federal forensic techs show up, and Dexter makes them babysit the samples that can't be processed for another 12 hours. Uh, Angel asks if Dexter is mad about him going after Lila. Dexter says Lila is using Angel to try and get back at him, and Angel is all about getting used by Lila. So is Zach. He said something about he hadn't been used by someone since his divorce, so... Yeah, I know. Batista. (laughs) Which seems weird, like, you know, with all of his Neil Diamond speeches and things like that, it's kind of insane that you couldn't at least find somebody to hook up with him once, but... This was (laughs) pretender. Lundy tells Deb that he couldn't tell her about the threat to Dexter... LaGuerta's angry at Lundy for giving dokes to the press. He's wanted for questioning. LaGuerta tries to take over media relations, but Lundy dresses her down and threatens her job. Rita calls Dexter and asks if it's over with Lila. Dexter says, yes, if I never see her again, it'll be too soon. Rita says she still has feelings for Dexter. She wants him to come over and talk. But he has the entourage and tells her that he has to work, that they have a break in the case. So... Then they get back to his apartment, and he sneaks out a window to get away from the protective detail so he can finally take care of Jimenez's body. LaGuerta tries to convince Deb to help her convince Lundy to go easier on Dokes. Deb gets fired up and tells her that accidentally that they're sleeping together. Lundy and Angel walk past just as LaGuerta repeats, you're sleeping with Lundy. Deb says to Lundy, sleeping at your place again tonight. Lundy just kind of nods and... Angel makes kind of a goofy face at the camera, like almost a fourth wall breaking look as they walk out off frame. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wait, are we watching The Office? What is it? <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, like, yeah, was, kind it of, was a weird moment. Lonnie's just kind of like, okay. And he walks away and you see Angel just go. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Probably not the best moment out of the episode. A really great episode minus this weird little. The uh, Kafar right here. Yeah, it, it. I don't know. It's like danger that doesn't go anywhere. Um, Deb being worried about this and it not being a big deal. Well, Deb blowing up. It just like she asked her a very innocuous question and said, "Hey, you're his right hand," which she has been this entire season. And she's just like, "Oh, just say it. We're sleeping together." Yeah. So that's because Deb acts like a high schooler. She Deb legit acts like a high schooler. Like she, whatever she thinks, you know, is in her head is how she's going to respond to it. Whether or not you're coming at her like that or not, that's how high schoolers are. They're like, well, that's that's all they see is like, well, you said this to me. You're like, no, I didn't. I didn't even. That wasn't the implication at all. And she just retaliates so quickly. Yeah, and that's when Chris Matthews steps out and says to Lundy, you know. So, who are you coming to see today? Would you mind taking a seat over there? (laughs) (laughs) So, Rita's starting to come around, um, starting to sound like she might forgive Dexter's one uh, night with Lila. And Dexter 
goes out to take care of uh, Jimenez, and as he's getting rid of the body, Dokes finds him and has a gun on him. Turns out he's put a GPS tracker on Dexter's boat. Uh, Dexter puts on handcuffs, but then he creeps up quickly and gets into a struggle with Dokes over the gun. Dexter's shot in the leg, but he manages to choke out Dokes in the water. And then Dexter locks Dokes in a cage in Jimenez's cabin with all the all the cocaine. Uh, mm-hmm. And as Dexter closes the door, Dokes continues to yell, You're going to have to kill me, Morgan. The scene was so good. Like, the, the build-up to it. Just Dexter walking out onto the out onto the dock. And the bag that he had taken out there was open. And, and you knew somebody was there, and you're just like, Oh my God, who's out there? Cause is it one of the other drug dealers? Something like that. And then it's Dokes, and it's everything you've wanted since episode one. Yeah, and I want to say he says, like, that's right, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. He doesn't say surprise. He says, that's right, motherfucker, and he comes out with a gun. All the things, motherfucker. Yeah. And it's it's so good. Yeah, this scene was, the, the like, the ultimate built-up tension. And, the, and you don't even really get the relief right away, too, because, like, even when he pops out and it's him... And you're like, yes, this is so intense, and I love this. This is great. And then it like continues to go, and then you're just like, oh, this is going to go last a lot longer than I thought it was. So it was so fun to watch, and uh, and kudos to the production team for having all the cocaine. Uh, it actually looked <laughs> legit. I was like, oh, good. It doesn't just look like odd bricks of white powder. Like it looked like a kilo of cocaine. It was. I was like, all right, I'm proud of you. They didn't just get powdered oh. sugar. A lot yeah. of cocaine. Yeah. Which really you're you're leaving somebody as strong as Dokes. He does even a little <laughs> bit of that cocaine and he's gonna tear down that cabin with his hands. Well just the fumes. <laughs> like he gets a running start at all and he's going straight <laughs> through the wall. Kool-Aid man style. Oh yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a gif. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the episode uh, it was directed by Marco Siega uh, he has directed nine episodes total three in season two four in season three and two in season four previously worked on Blink-182 and System of the Down videos Veronica Mars and Cold Case and after Dexter he did ten episodes of The Vampire Diaries and eighteen episodes of The Following with Kevin Bacon and as I mentioned before, this is written by Melissa Rosenberg, who was the head writer on the first four seasons of Dexter. She wrote or co-wrote 11 episodes across those seasons, including Love American Style and Father Knows Best in season one. Has gone on to create and become an occasional writer on the Netflix Jessica Jones series. That brings us to the best line of the episode. Uh, for me, I had... Um uh, the the random FBI agent saying communication is key when Dexter's on the phone <laughs> yes. with Rita. That yeah, that was a great and scene. He, we didn't talk much about where yeah, very, Rita calls to very sort fun. of patch things up with Dexter, and he's sitting behind, sitting between the uh, the FBI detail, and the one guy's like interested in like helping him out, and the other guy's just like, why do I have to deal with this? <laughs> I love <laughs> it when they do characters. scenes like that. Those yeah. tend to be my favorite scenes when they just sneak in that little subtle dry humor. 
Yeah, where Dexter's Dexter's like, yeah, she wants to get together and talk on Saturday or whatever, and he's like, communication is key. <laughs> like, yeah, and then, they, and then they cut to the other guy, and he just looks out the window like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I would yeah, second that. Good. That's probably the best the best line. I think I'm going to go with that one too. This one didn't have a whole lot of good lines. I was kind of scraping trying to think of one that was as, as good as it was, but that was that was the good one. That was the best. I agree. I do like you're going to have to kill me, Morgan, from Dokes. It's just like a classic. Uh, how about the worst line of the episode? Um, I've got. Um, I don't know. I was torn. I had two, um, but I, I think Masuka always takes it for me. But he said, "Fucking Indian givers." When they when he was in the lab and talking about uh, the the um, investigation and how like they gave him the title and took it back or whatever, but he's just always so gross when he says stuff, especially when it's like stuff like that. <laughs> he says anything. Um, I I had a couple. Um, there was a really cheesy line when he's talking to Rita in the beginning, and he says, "I had you, I had us, I had so much to have." Like, what? That's, that's a terrible romantic line. I had you, I had us, I had so much to have. Okay, um, but also when he says uh, Jimenez, don't don't decompose yet. Hmm. That's a good one. Hmm. I hated the line when uh, Lila goes to the bathroom and Angel's just like the loo. It's so cute. I'm just like, I hate you. You're the worst. You're almost as bad as her. In that yeah. moment, he was as bad as her. <laughs> he doesn't even have red hair yet. and mm. He's already ridiculous. Uh, and the performance of the episode that... Slash performance of the episode that isn't Michael C. Hall. Yeah, because he's really great in, like all these episodes this season like yeah um but for me i'm gonna go with lundy's junk i think it made a great appearance um and it really you know it, it's it's subtle but it, it gets you every time uh it got me honestly right. the- <laughs> that's what deb says <laughs> yeah I, d- I did go with lundy though but i like lundy's junk as well <laughs> i'm i missed that cameo but um I actually, I actually thought LaGuerta did a pretty good job of showing somebody that was kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, I picked LaGuerta too, shockingly. Um, I really tried not to, because I'm still not a fan of the character, but really she got to play, you know, a different angle this time. She's desperate to try to, to, try to help Dokes and, you know, throwing herself out there to try to help somebody, which is a rare occasion with her. Yeah, and seeing her in a, in a, position of uh, not having any kind of control over what's going on around her is is rare for her, so it's kind of a rare sort of vulnerable episode for her. Alright, well that is is our episode for Season 2, Episode 9. Resistance is futile. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks you guys for helping me talk through this episode, and we will see you again on the next episode of Deeply Discussing Dexter. (laughs) 